This is Jason Holleran. I proudly served for 33 years, culminating as the Deputy Commandant at West Point. Put this on your calendar. World War II weekend inside Old Bethpage Village Restoration on Long Island. Scores of operational vintage armor in formation May 18th and 19th. Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman invites you to join him in saluting America's greatest generation and all those who have worn the uniform in defense of our freedoms. That's May 18th and 19th, presented by the Museum of American Armor. Well, now I'm told we have Michael Goodwin, my friend, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, New York Post columnist, Fox News contributor. Michael, thanks for joining us today. We're a, a bit disjointed. We're all sort of weathermen uh, with Curtis Lewa <laughs> on the streets. I don't know. Uh, your weather skills are probably about as good as mine. Yeah, but... right. <laughs> and, my, and my snow shoveling skills are not even that good. <laughs> Michael, let me uh, just begin. Um, can you tell us anything about this meeting between uh, Governor Hochul and this renegade DA, Alvin Bragg? Uh, her statement, uh, safety and justice must go hand in hand, was so vacuous, Michael. I, I didn't know what to make of it, and I thought maybe you knew something with your intelligence on the ground or had some thoughts of your own. No, Larry, um, I think that's you're right. That statement uh, is vacuous and it's disappointing because she, I think, raised a sense of expectation when she told the New York Post editorial board, I think, Wednesday that she would meet with him. She talked about, you know, I, I have my powers, which suggested not not removing him. I think that would be a radical step at, at this early juncture. Uh, I mean, he was elected uh, overwhelmingly so in Manhattan uh, just in November. So to remove him in the first month of taking office would be quite quite a radical step, I think. But she does have the other power, which is that essentially she can supersede him in particular cases. She can say you know, in, in effect, remove him from from a case and appoint a special prosecutor. I mean, that is one way around it. Now, my guess is that in that meeting, and this is what I've been led to believe, that she basically laid it out in that way. Look, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to remove you, um, but I can't tolerate this either. And so they've got to have a meeting of the minds. I suspect that that's what she was trying to achieve. And so that statement was vacuous, probably as a face-saving gesture to both of them. Now, that's an optimistic view. A mm. pessimistic view is that she can't make up her mind. And, and the reason for that is, apart from the fact that she's a new governor herself, only in office five months, succeeding in the disgraced Andrew Cuomo. We must always say disgraced before we say Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> yes. uh, it's a rule. Uh, but uh, she, I think, is still looking uh, to, to get her feet under her. And she's up for election already. I mean, she's got a June primary. And uh, I'll just say quickly, her concern is that from the left, the far left, the New York City public advocate, a man named Jumani Williams, uh, will, will be, is running against her. He will try to get the uh, endorsement of the Working Families Party, the quasi-socialist far left party that has a ballot line. 
And if he gets that, he will probably be on the Democratic ballot as well for a primary. So she's, I think she's protecting her left flank with this maneuver of, try, of sort of wanting it both ways with Alvin Bragg, not wanting to force him out, but also wanting to give the impression that she's read the riot act to him. That's my guess as to what's going on. Well, it's probably a good guess. I, I think that the majority of real New Yorkers, like people who live in the city, but people who live all over the state, because this, comes a statewide issue too absolutely um wanted to see her spank him i think that's what i know that's what i want i wanted to see her give him a spanking have some backbone uh no reason no women can spank men we know that and uh, i thought that would have been the appropriate time i mean michael goodwin at what point do New Yorkers, and, and I use the word New Yorkers meaning all, you know, all New Yorkers, not these crazy left-wing Marxists who hate New York and hate America, but all New Yorkers, when will they grow tired, sufficiently tired, of being held hostage by these crazy far-left people? Well, just one final thought on, on Kathy Hochul on this regard. Um, I think that the, the, the far left has controlled the state legislature in, in New York now. Yeah. Uh, and so Kathy Hochul sided with them in not agreeing to Mayor Adams' request that they change the bail law. Uh, so she sided with them on that. So I think that's a, a good indication of where the political class, the, the ruling Democratic political class, stands on common sense. They're opposed to common sense. Mm. New York is the only state in America that does not allow a judge to just to consider the dangerousness of the suspect before releasing. So. Every other state, 49 states, and the federal system allows the judge to make that determination as to whether to release a suspect on bail or without bail prior to trial. Uh, New York does not allow that. So that's an indication of how far, far, far out of the mainstream New York is. Now, look, as to your question, Larry, about when do New Yorkers say enough, I am hopeful that this this event with the two police officers being murdered, along with a rash of other crimes, a woman pushed in front of a subway and killed a child, 11-month-old child, wounded in the face by gunfire in a shootout. Uh, I'm hopeful that, and by the way, three other cops were shot and wounded in January. So five cops shot in the first month of Mayor Adams' tenure. Uh, I, I hope that everybody watched yesterday's funeral for uh, Jason Rivera, Officer Jason Rivera. It was one of the most moving things I have ever seen, Uh, particularly uh, the widow, uh, his widow, a young, young woman, 22 or 23 years old, was so powerfully articulate Mm. in her own pain, but also in singling out Alvin Bragg. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's in he's in St. Patrick's Cathedral. And when she does this, Larry, the audience erupted. The entire mm-hmm. place stood with with a long, long applause. I mean, to see the priest stand and applaud, to see 
uh, all the officers, all the family. I mean, it was quite moving when she said, you know, we're still not safe. The, the system is failing us. Even those who are in the service are not safe. And she said, you know, I know you didn't like these laws coming from our new DA. I mean, that is an extraordinary thing in a eulogy at St. Patrick's Cathedral. Mm-hmm. And on my column, I'm writing that this very much reminded me of the 9-11 funerals, mm-hmm. where the police and the fire and the city was shattered at that moment. And those funerals were Rudy Giuliani conducted many of them in St. Patrick's. He was brilliant mm-hmm. uh, in in talking about these people, but in sort of rallying New Yorkers. And I think something like that happened yesterday in St. Patrick's. You had, I mean, you you know, all of the stuff that it's the police that are racist. We have a black mayor. We have a black police commissioner. Both of the officers who were killed in this horrendous ambush were Latinos. Uh, What what's the argument now? What is the racial argument here? I mean, this is this is beyond silly at this point to let the far left hold hostage the clear reform movement that is needed to make New York safe again. Larry, you you know, many New Yorkers, they are afraid. Mm. All of us are afraid on the streets, afraid in stores and subways. There's an element of fear in this city that has not been here for more than 20 years, but it's back. This is now Fear City. You bet. I see it. I hear it, Michael. You're exactly right. And like I say, I've been around the city like you for a long, long time. Uh, This is uh, the worst. The worst. Psychologically, it's the worst. Criminally, it's the worst. But psychologically, it's the worst. People and 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 you know what? People's patience with New York is wearing out. You know, you, this is enough is enough. Um, I, I was in Washington yesterday. Uh, I was down speaking to the Republican Governors Association. But I watched, you know, on uh, on the internet. I watched the uh, widow's speech. Uh, you're exactly right. It was a remarkable speech, mo- moving speech, but a very penetrating speech. I also watched the, um, the new police commissioner's speech uh, when she posthumously awarded uh, Rivera, uh, at, uh, promoted him to detective. I thought that was an incredible thing for her to do, a wonderful thing for her to do. It brought everybody to their feet. But, Michael... The other thing enough is enough is the thousands of cops, the blue line on Fifth Avenue, thousands uh, of the cops. Yes, yes. Now, first of all, that did my heart good. But second of all, I believe clearly that the blue line was making a statement. They were making a statement. Enough is enough. Look, uh, they are all that stands between us and anarchy. There's, yes. there's just no other fact about yes. it that they are they are what what keeps us going and you know Larry the what Rudy Giuliani started what Michael Bloomberg continued for those 20 years of their mayoralties uh, it, it made New York the safest big city in America mm-hmm. I mean it is because of that that the tourists came that every year was a new tourist record that investment in the city that that people wanted to come and work in new york city and live in new york city i mean i'll just tell you a quick story prior to that 
in, in say, the late 80s and early 90s. I was teaching at the Columbia University Journalism School, and there I learned that Columbia University, in order to get uh, applicants to its medical school and to many of its other professional schools, needed to give full scholarships because of the crime situation in New York City. Nobody else would come. Mm. They would Mm. not come unless the university gave them full scholarship. Mm. Now, that, that's the kind of uh, downstream effects that crime has. I mean, businesses don't open. We don't know, that, we don't know what businesses didn't open. They just don't open. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you see a turnaround, when people feel safe, whether it's a simple thing like painting your house or putting a flower out or, or, or uh, you know, getting to know your neighbors, they, these are investments. Opening a business, shopping on on your neighborhood because you feel safe. These are all investments because you trust the safety factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, without it, none of those things happen. There's, you know, you, you know, you're totally. That's why I've, I've said, um, in my own economic way, you know, crime is a tax hike, safety is a tax cut. Crime kills the economy, safety blossoms the economy. That's a part of this story. And yes. We're I, I, on... I'll, give you, I'll give you a line that I heard many years ago from the late John Lewis, the Georgia mm-hmm. congressman, mm-hmm. who said, we all know that crime, uh, that poverty causes crime. He said, but it's also true that crime causes poverty. Yes. Yes. That's terrific. Terrific. Michael Goodwin, I got to make room for our pal Greg Kelly to talk some more about all this. Uh, Thanks for giving us some time. I look forward to your column tomorrow, as always. Thanks very much. My pleasure, Larry. Thank you. You bet. You bet.